Of course, I go by the name of the kid. Famous Swap. This here is the 10 Minutes Sit Show. You are now tuned in. Coast to coast. Entertaining the masses. Sports entertainment. Yeah. It's about to get started. Sit back. Enjoy the show. In five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. It's right, her is Tim and Sid for Tuesday, January 26th. I'm Tim McAuliffe. I used to sit beside Sid Sixero for a career. I now virtually sit beside him for a career. Either way, we're live on TV, radio, and Sportsnet now. Plenty going on today, Sydney. Oh, man. We're in it now, right? We like are. On a, on, a, yeah. on a day where there's no other news story. We got Super Bowl, NBA, NHL, and maybe MLB fighting with each other. Add on some of the extras and the significance of this day on a number of fronts, and it is, uh, yeah, I'll shut the hell up, and you can continue the opening because we got stuff to (laughs) do. Go ahead. Exactly one year ago today, uh, what Sid is referring to, um, Kobe Bryant, he and eight others, including his daughter, died in a helicopter crash. Arash Medani will walk us through what's gone on in the years since. We'll talk to Mark Spears of ESPN as we remember one of the greatest athletes of all time offset by knowing that this is also the 60th birthday of Wayne Gretzky. 60. Mm-hmm. 60. When, when Tim, we I finally... Mentioned... Go ahead, sir. Go ahead. When we finally get around to making this a national holiday, is it the day of or is it the first Monday after kind of thing that we'll do for this? Just Gretzky Day? Gretzky Day. Just Gretzky Day. I don't hate Gretzky it. Gretzky Day. My, my big regret is, and in no way am I anticipating someone like trying to make this happen because that's not what I'm implying. But on this show, I'm the one between the two of us who hasn't spoken to Gretzky. On this show. Like, I've, I scrummed with him in previous years. But, like, as Tim and Sid, I've never spoken to him. And on this, his 60th birthday, I have thought about that and how cool that would be to speak to him. But whatever, whatever. Just, we got a show to do. It's fine. But it would be super cool. And I feel old when you say that. I Did feel you- friggin' old when you say he's 60 years old, man. I sent a note to our booker asking... Just say Canada wants to say happy birthday, Wayne. Send him a text. See if he'll come on. Did you say anything? Did you? No. You know? I'm, so, I'm. That's off the top of the this dome. This is the first time. Say, okay. This is the first right. time we're talking to you and I, and I'm talking about As with per anyone. usual. Yeah. <laughs> I figured it would just happen, but nah. It's <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Maybe I'll talk. Maybe I'll text someone. <laughs> Fine. If you want me to do that. Um, okay. So, uh, Timmy, get the horns ready. So, a uh, happy birthday, Wayne Gretzky. Sixty. Sixty. Twitter is the worst. Do you understand? I mentioned earlier today, he's the greatest hockey player of all time. People fought me on it. Would you believe that? I swear to God. He holds 61 records. I got people on Twitter going, well, Bobby Orr, and I'm with you. Bobby Orr was one of a kind. Probably the most significant player in NHL history for what he did to that position. But I don't know if he's better than Gretzky. I don't know. I know this guy on TV always would say that. But I'm not that guy on TV saying that. Wayne Gretzky's the GOAT. I, I don't just, think it's a debate. It's just someone wants to yell. 
That's the that is the point of Twitter. And, it is shocking, shocking. And the Twitter reason why you are so good at it, like you are, you might be my the gold standard to which I I I don't I know if I aspire to, but you are the gold standard on Twitter. Uh, that's how good you are at it. But you know what I'm saying, though, Tim. First, I appreciate it. Secondly, you know why I'm taking it back at this one. Because I have done that plenty. Of, I have stirred plenty of times before, knowing full well what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. This one, it's as if you look up and say, you know what? On a clear day, the sky's blue, and people debate you on it. Right. And say, no, it's just the ozone. And say, so, shut up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Shut up. Happy birthday, Wayne Gretzky. And maybe Happy we'll talk to him. Wayne. We'll talk Happy to him soon. Wayne. Shout out, Wayne. Also happening today, Tim, as I waste more time. Uh, more hockey. We got it on the network tonight across various channels on the network. Jets, Oilers, yep. regionally, Sportsnet West. Weird game the other night. Should be another fun one this evening. Also got Leafs, Flames tonight on Sportsnet 1, Pacific, and Ontario. Chris Johnson will join us next hour. Leaf goalie Jack Campbell. We had the Matthew Kachuk-Jack Campbell discussion yesterday, Timmy. Mm-hmm. He's missing a couple of weeks, we were told today, by Sheldon Keefe, head coach of the Leafs. He's out. Uh, and will there be some Matthew Kachuk retribution this evening? We'll, uh, we'll talk to CJ about that. Raptors had a rough night against the Pacers. Much more coming your way. But, Tim, let the Baseball Hall of Fame fights, speaking of fights, begin! <laughs> Little over an hour from now, we will learn who, if anyone, is heading to Cooperstown in the class of 2021. The Baseball Hall of Fame scheduled to announce... Voting results at around 6.15 Eastern time. They start the show at 6 o'clock. Uh, top three candidates, somewhat controversial. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, and Kurt Schilling. And all three are in their second to last year of eligibility. It appears as though they will be very close to the required 75% of the votes. Though I will add that, like mail-in ballots, there is a trend on late unrecorded ballots that uh, our boy Mr. Tibbs does not get to. They tend to shy away from the cheaters. Do you think any of the three will be inducted this year, and do you think they should be? Uh, in terms of will they, know because the Thibodeau ballots online, and shout out uh, Ryan Thibodeau for the work he does collecting yes. those public ballots. Every year. Kinda, it, it is certainly a labor of love. God bless him. Um, usually, Tim... The vote is like it drops, I don't know, anywhere from 7 to 9% from, from the numbers we're seeing, from the publicly disclosed numbers. Right. So based on that, they're not – Kurt Schilling's not getting in, and Barry Bonds isn't getting in, and Roger Clemens isn't getting in. Um, the other side of it to me, Tim, is because Derek Jeter and Larry Walker and, and the late Marvin Miller in that class didn't get their day last summer in Cooperstown, I do believe there is an element of the vote yeah. – who do not want Derek Jeter's day or Larry Walker's day, but in all due respect to Larry, probably more Derek Jeter's day. They don't want that day sullied, for lack of a better term, by a discussion about whether or not Kurt Schilling, who has wrapped himself in hate speech, should even be there. Or whether or not Roger Clemens should even be there. Or Barry Bonds should even... I think this is the one strange year where if there's no people on the ballot that go through and get 75%, and it could happen. I'm fine with it, and I think there's a lot of writers who are fine with it. You want to agree or disagree with that, you go ahead. But I think that very much is in play. Can Derek Jeter just have his moment? Because he didn't have it last year. I completely agree with you. I don't know if it should be. I don't know if 
I agree with it, but it most definitely will play a factor because the writers are storytellers. And what's lost in these votes a lot of times is those writers are thinking about the stories. Mm-hmm. And I think you hit the nail on the head. I'm going to read the passage from the Baseball Hall of Fame that everyone is talking about today, and I quote, Voting shall be based upon the player's record, playing ability, integrity, sportsmanship, character, and contributions to the team or teams on which the player played. Uh, The ethics involved are going to make voters, like society, Sid, in general, look for the most simplistic answer and take it especially in a global pandemic. Do I agree or do I disagree? Um, Bonds and Clemens are cheaters. And as we learn from the Astros scandal, we, we kind of get a better idea of how damaging to the game cheating is. The only thing that separates the two in my mind, the cheating of steroids and the cheating of the banging, is that one team got caught and the rest could point at the Astros, and I guarantee you, if it was only one team juicing, the rest of the bigs would have fired away at guys like Clemens and Bonds the way they fired away at the Astros. But if the players crush juice pigs, they are crushing several of their former teammates and probably someone they know and like, so they don't. But they're cheaters who cheated the game, and I will never get off of that, even if they are the best hitter and pitcher in the history of the game, respectively. See, here's here's where you and I really differ. Because I I hear that description that the Hall of Fame posted to all of its writers, to mm-hmm. all of the people voting here. And we're going to talk to one in Shai Davidi coming up later on next hour, after the Hall of Fame vote. And... That whole line about character and integrity and sportsmanship and yada, 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 that's adorable. If you can guarantee me the Hall of Fame hasn't already let in a bunch of those dudes, and you can't do that, and no writer can do that, and the Hall of Fame itself, who's been silent on this for decades like a bunch of cowards down in Cooperstown, leaving them in the lap of good writers who genuinely want to do the best thing for the sport, left it up to them. While Pudge Rodriguez goes to the Hall of Fame, while Mike Piazza goes to the Hall of Fame, Jeff Bagwell, who is built like a portable I used to sit in in grade two, Mm -hmm. is in the Hall of Fame. So my only question to you, Tim, is if that president has already been set, How is Roger Clemens, who won three Cy Youngs before the steroid era, how is Barry Bonds, who won three National League MVPs before the steroid era, kept out if that's the president that's already been set? How do you do that? I have one question for you. Will you apply the same logic to Kurt Schilling? Different. I left him out for a reason. Because that's a different conversation. There are racists in the Hall of Fame. Correct. A lot of them you couldn't prove. Some of them you could. A lot of them you couldn't prove. Guys who were in favor of segregation. Yeah. Of the color barrier. And they're in the Hall of Fame. Okay, let's let's play both ways then. Kurt Schilling is 11-2 career in the postseason. 
2-3-3 ERA, three World Series titles. That's the best playoff pitcher, aside from Mariano Rivera, I've ever seen in my life. He's Even also if- a, a racist and a homophobic. Up and down. So you're telling me because they've allowed others in of similar ilk, he should go in or shouldn't go in? I'm asking you if you apply the same logic. If there are already cheaters who use steroids in the Hall of Fame, will you use the same logic to racists who are already in the Hall of Fame if you'd like to let Kurt Schilling in? Because I'm, Look, I'm, I'm saying it's not that easy, and I think you know it's not that easy, but you're giving me an opinion anyway. Well, I just I don't think it's that easy with Schilling. And Shai Davidi left Schilling off his ballot, and he voted for Clemens and Bonds. So we'll talk to him a little later on about his decision-making there. I think from a cheating standpoint, which is where you started, I'm asking you, you're cool with that, letting those two guys sit there, while a parade it's not a parade. of guys don't in the steroid like era... There's four, there's four guys that you can name. That's enough. That are, in... are you kidding? Yeah. That's enough. Those guys were – that was blatant what Pudge was doing and Bagwell. And they're but in. They never, but they never got caught, and you don't know that it was blatant what Pudge was doing. Did baseball catch Barry Bonds? Did baseball catch Roger Clemens? Is no there, and is, no are the answers is there not? Is there not remarkable proof and baseball looked the other way? Yes. So baseball's complicit, so they should let them in I, based on I that agree. argument. I agree that baseball is right. complicit, and I bl- I agree that baseball is are were cowards in confronting this and left it on other people to make the decision, like the great Hank Aaron, who we just lost, who went through mountains and mountains of bleep to set a record that was broken by a guy who flat out cheated, and we're going to give this guy not only his day where Hank Aaron had to choose whether or not he would accept it, even after he had said he didn't really accept it and forced him to be the bigger man because he realized that baseball wasn't going to stand up to this and decided, too, that we're going to give Barry and Roger everything they wanted. Is there no accountability? Isn't this what cancel culture really is? It's accountability? It's holding people accountable? Like, why not hold the people that you know cheated accountable? Because that's not in, what this does. They don't do and that, in, And in no way have we held them accountable, even though dis- you know it. I don't disagree with the premise at all, but you understand my beef with it. Be consistent. I, Just be consistent. That's all I'm asking. And, that, that's, that's and the horses are out of the stable you can't on be. that. The, the, you what could makes have been, this difficult, and, and if you want to make it simplistic... If you want to make it simplistic, I get it. It makes it easier. But if you want to see the evidence in front of you and make the decision based on who you have the evidence on, I'm okay with that. And I'm telling you that if you want it to be simplistic, like many people do, go ahead. Put them in. I don't and will never agree with Roger Clemens or Barry Bonds being in the Baseball Hall of Fame because they cheated the game that they supposedly love. They won't get exactly what they want because I don't think they're getting in. I think you and I agree with that. I don't think they're getting in today at 6.15 Eastern. I think there's a reason for that. They're going to make those two guys wait till the last year of eligibility as punishment. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know how much they take it as punishment yeah. if I'm them. 
Yeah. But I agree with you. Because I, I can't get in the headspace of Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds. But I think there's something happening here purposely done. Since 2015, their numbers have gone up. But, like, not a great amount. Just a little bit. And then in 2016, a little bit. In 2017, a little bit. And then here we are around, you know, they were at 61% for Clemens last year and 60% for Bonds last year. You need 75 to get in. What, what are they going to be at today? Well, 64, 65, something like that. We can guess. Something like right. that. Maybe shilling a shade higher. Uh, and I think the punishment will be you wait till your final year. Unless the writers are super pissed and they'll just put it in the laps of the Veterans Committee. Right. And they'll probably let him in. Um, I just think, Tim, I'm just mad because this whole thing's been ruined for me, this Hall of Fame. Yeah, and so is the uh, record listen, book, and so is I'm, a lot listen, of things don't in baseball. Wrong. I'm so. happy for Larry Walker. I'm happy for Larry Walker. It was a year ago, you and I and Blair and Shy. damn, that was a fun day, when Larry got in and we talked to him. Like, that was so much fun. But this debate, I hate it. I hate it because this should have been dealt with. The Hall of Fame should have manned up. There are a bunch of cowards who care more about how whether, whether a plaque is straight then figure out if it should be there in the first place. It's a right. joke to put in the laps of guys like Shai Davidi and some of the writers that we know. And That's a Major joke. League baseball. Don't, don't. Ex- but baseball doesn't control baseball. that. You know that. But they, that. No, baseball they could have done it while they were still in the league, but they didn't. Still in the league. I hear you. So anyway, that's where we stand on that. I thought actually we laid out our arguments pretty well. We'll find out a little after 6 o'clock Eastern today, as Tim said. And again, Shai Davidi, who has a Hall of Fame vote, he'll join us about 10 or 15 minutes after that, and we'll uh, – We'll talk about one of the more unique votes I think we're going to see in a long, long time in Cooperstown. So that's coming up a little later on here on Tim and Sid. Uh, any, any final bows on this one, Tim, before we go to hockey? Uh, there's a bunch, but we've got to get hockey in because we've got to get to other stuff. But Dennis we says, should. come on, guys, MLB cheating a week after you rave and shill for the Springer signing. No one said that he was exempt from any sort of yeah, accountability. Yeah. Apples to apples there, bud. Give me right. a break. My God. Um... And no oh, one press didn't say he George didn't Green. cheat. Right. right, correct. I just said I ignored it, and now he's a J, and I'm happy. NHL, Timmy, the Leafs and Flames meet again yes. in Calgary tonight. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, by the way, uh, George Springer media availability tomorrow. Uh, I believe Sportsnet's trying to air it. It's tricky with the Zooms, as you know, Timmy, right, right. now. But uh, keep an eye on the Sportsnet schedule for that. And if we see anything on social media, Tim and Sid will let you know when and where that's happening. Leafs, Flames in Calgary tonight. Leafs won 3-2 on Sunday. Leafs coach Sheldon Keefe announced today goalie Jack Campbell will be out weeks, not days, weeks, with a leg injury suffered in Sunday's game. Keefe said Michael Hutchinson will serve as the Leafs' backup for the foreseeable future. Um, we're talking about a backup here, Tim, but Twitter is acting like a Vesna Trophy winner just went down. How big is this for the Toronto Leafs? Yeah, it's not a Vesna Trophy uh, winner going down, but it's significant, and I'll tell you why it's significant, because Freddie Anderson is a notoriously slow starter. And if he continues to be a slow starter, he was pretty good last time out. But if he struggles, this is the reason why the Leafs went out and got Jack Campbell. So that when Freddie struggled, you could turn to him. And with all due respect to Michael Hutchison, the Leafs tried with him before. And Hutchison went 4-9-0-1 with a 366 goals against average and an 866 save percentage. This is really going to test how far the Leafs' blue line has come and if Freddie Anderson is truly ready for prime time. And the two are most definitely intertwined. But I think there were many wondering if Jack Campbell was ready to take the job from Freddie. Maybe even some hoping that he would take the job from Freddie. And the reason why you're seeing so much online is because that's no longer an option. 
Like, so much for organizational depth. Ask, ask the Oilers. The NHL should have covered this off. The Oilers shouldn't have lost Anton Forsberg, um, who's now been on three teams this season and is now clearing COVID protocols in Winnipeg and forced to ride Miko Koskinen for seven games, all seven games. And the Leafs shouldn't have lost Aaron Dell. Not this year. Not we're trading for a guy in Canada or to Canada or bringing a guy to Canada as a 14-day quarantine. I don't know, man. I think I think the NHL screwed up in this, and I think this is big for the Leafs because they're going to have to turn to Hutchison just as it was big for the Oilers, who have had to start Miko Koskinen all seven games. Tim, it's not just. I mean, it, you know, you hope if you're a Leaf fan, you hope it's just Hutchison because I went looking for some research on the third stringer now, Timmy uh, Joe Wall W O L L. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I went to Hockey Reference. There was no page. And I don't mean that as any disrespect. It's just he's played 32 games in the AHL. I had to go to HockeyDB. 32 games in the American Hockey League, 880 save percentage. Uh, Cover's getting a little bare here, Lee fans. You're you're an injury away from uh, the Oilers goaltending situation looking like they got Patrick Juan, Martin Brodeur together. (laughs) So just hope tonight you better keep Matthew Kachuk the hell away from your crease. Good luck with that. Now, I'm not blaming Kachuk for the other night. This is a leg injury. All Kachuk did was drive both knees into the back of Jack uh, Campbell. It's just a whole different thing. But um, you, somebody better keep the goalies upright and safe tonight if you're a Leaf defenseman. That's, if I'm Sheldon Keefe, that's the message tonight. Just, just keep them the hell away because you can't afford another injury. You cannot. Things are going to get hairy if that happens. Uh, Penguins, Bruins on Sportsnet 360, 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Oilers and Jets, 8 p.m. Eastern, Sportsnet West. And there's a Hockey Central at 8.30 Eastern, followed by the Leafs and the Flames. You can see your regional broadcast on Sportsnet or Sportsnet One. They are both available, the Flames broadcast and the Leafs broadcast. So for all the people that whine about Sportsnet's hockey coverage, still paying two crews to do that game so you get your regional broadcast. <laughs> Suck on that. Sportsnet doesn't do hockey well. <laughs> um, before we go to break here, Timmy, one just want to clarify one thing. I mentioned the George Springer press conference tomorrow or the Zoom availability tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 11 a.m. Eastern. It's on sportsnet.ca. It's available on the Sportsnet app and also in the Toronto area. And you can uh, listen to this also on the Sportsnet app. Sportsnet 590, the fan at 11 a.m. Eastern will have George Springer, the $150 million man, his debut news conference. And Tim, to, like to the cheating thing, he's going to face some questions tomorrow. No yeah, question about it. He's going to face some questions more. Maybe, maybe we'll dive into this a bit with Shy as well after the Hall of Fame discussion. Although I have a feeling the Hall of Fame discussion may take up a lot of oxygen in the room. So plenty of baseball going. Okay, we got to take a break. On the other side, a year ago today, uh, we were all in a haze. I think it's safe to say. And I know it's been a crazy year, but still remembering that specific day ranks right up there with me in terms of the, the messed up moments of the last calendar year compared to anything else. It's the loss of Kobe Bryant and Gianna. Coming up next, Mark Spears, ESPN, will join us, and Arash Danny will kind of walk us through what this year has been like between the accident and now. That's next. This is Tim and Sid, live on TV and radio. As an unlicensed doctor, we suggest a prescription for one of our shows. Sign up for our free podcast at iTunes or with your favorite podcatcher. Fake doctor's orders. Sportsnet 590 The Fan on demand. Still to come on this edition of Tim and Sid, Chris Johnson will stop by. Big win for the Canucks last night. They needed it. 
Good luck to the Sens. And Shai Davidi, uh, we'll continue the conversation surrounding the Baseball Hall of Fame announcement, which we expect just after 6 p.m. Eastern time. Somewhat controversial. We'll mm-hmm. go through your tweets with Shai coming up. Tim, uh, a year ago on this day, we lost the following people. Peyton Chester, Sarah Chester, Alyssa Altobelli, Carrie Altobelli, John Altobelli, Christina Mosser, Ara Zobayan, Kobe Bryant, Gianna Bryant. Helicopter crash claimed nine lives. Remember it like it was yesterday. It's been a heck of a year since. Here with a look back at what that year has looked like is Arash Medani. One of the worst of all sports days. Kobe Bryant, one of nine killed in a helicopter crash Sunday morning. It also took the life of Bryant's 13-year-old daughter, Gianna. Gianna, has it really been a full year? It felt like any other Sunday to all of us, and it must have for you, too. On your way to another basketball game with your teammates and their mom and dad, and your father was along for the ride. What a year it has been, Gianna. You wouldn't believe what's happened since. You probably would have so many questions for your parents. What do you mean, pandemic? Why did that police officer keep his knee on that man's neck? Will these boycotts of games accomplish change? You've probably asked your dad for one of those orange hoodies he rocked in public. They've become quite a fashion statement, Gianna, all over the ball scene. Oh, Gianna, we barely knew you, but those who did, those who really were a part of your life, they told us all of this vibrant, driven, motivated young woman just reaching adolescence at a pivotal time in her basketball growth. Your plan was to follow Kia and company at UConn. You befriended one of the greats in the college game. And whenever you'd overhear someone telling your dad that he needed a boy to carry on the family legacy on the floor, you'd remind anyone who would listen that I've got this. We saw you courtside. We saw you at the All-Star Games. We'd hear your father say he passed on the basketball gene to you. We heard from a coach you competed against of how you evolved as a ball player, adding a perimeter game, developing a step back, having the confidence to drive the lane. Gotta wonder, Gianna, if you and your teammates even realized the masterclass coaching sessions that were happening. You'd be running Phil Jackson's triangle offense in practice. What group of 12 and 13 year olds would do that? Oh, Gianna. Oh dear Gianna, how proud you would have been of your WNBA heroes and what they stood for in the bubble by taking a knee of their commitment for social justice and equality, urging the public to get out and vote, for thinking of the greater good and not just themselves. They named you an honorary pick in their draft last April. You and Alyssa and Peyton before your pal Sabrina officially became the number one selection. The league you wanted so badly to play in, they now have an advocacy award named after you and your dad. It's been a year, Gianna, a long, confusing, enduring year for your mom and for your sisters and for the loved ones of your friends who were on the helicopter with you. And it's been a grueling year for the rest of us, trying to navigate life in a public health crisis, piecing together what's happening around us. It's been a year. 
There weren't many words then, Gigi, on that Sunday morning in late January when it felt like everything stopped. And just as few looking back on it now. Your dad, Gianna, when he was growing up, always dreamed of hitting the winning shot as the clock ran out. Reflecting a year later, we still wonder why your time came up as early as it did. Godspeed, Gianna. I hope you're rocking that orange hoodie wherever you are. I can't believe it's been a year. I mean, I wish I had something more uh, kind of thought-provoking to say off that to me, but I'm just kind of... It's, 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 it's a heck of a day still, a year after the fact. Mark Spears of ESPN joining us. Spears, what are you thinking of today? Um, you know, I, I don't know that I've really, uh, really taken the time I needed to, to reflect on it, um, to grieve on it, you know, and perhaps everything that has happened over the past year has just made that hard to do. But when, you know, I think about him, I think of some of the, the funny moments, some of the brilliant moments, um, some of the private moments I had with him, um, even a simple thing like, you know, telling him I got the job at the undefeated. And uh, we always talk via email. And, you know, he, he sent me an email back on uh, March 22nd, 2016. It says, happy for you, my brother, right from the heart. Always here for, me, from, for, always here for you. And, you know, I was there tonight when his jerseys got retired, and I bumped into him. And I remember him telling me congrats and he was proud of me and loved what I was doing at the undefeated. I'm like, this is your night, dude. Like, why you, you know, why are you worry about worried about me, man? This is your night. And, you know, that just kind of tells you the kind of guy he was, man. He, he really cared about people. And, and I think, um, the saddest thing for me is like, I, as, as much greatness as he accomplished on the court, I think he was going to, probably eclipsed it with what he could potentially do off the court. And unfortunately we won't be able to see that. See that so much, so much talk about what the second, third, fourth and fifth chapters would have been for Kobe Bryant. But what strikes me and even in reading your tweet earlier today about what he said to you when you got the job at the undefeated was everything he was criticized for during his career, like cold, calculated, uh, killer on the court who struggled to understand anyone who did not put the effort in. He was near the opposite in chapter number two, or at least the start of chapter number two. Yeah, I think in the like final years of his career, um, he was mapping out what was next. Like he was happy that it was over, and he was happy for the challenge that was on the way. I think the last big interview I did with him was about his, uh, his books that he was, um, doing, um, Quisinar books, which is like about the size of like, you know, world and peace, man. They're these really, really big books, but they were deep because they were, he had characters that were characters of color, characters that were mixed and they had superpowers. And, you know, his, his, um, his wife, uh, Latina and, um, uh, Latinx and he, you know, wanted his daughters to see mixed characters. He wanted his daughters to see characters that look like them that could be superheroes too. And if his daughter see, saw that, then the world was going to be able to see that as well. And I think he was going to do a tremendous amount for race relations, a tremendous amount 
for people of color, a tremendous amount for women, women in sports. And it was just like, it was the beginning chapter of that. There was so much that he wanted to do from a, a animation movie, you know, sports standpoint. Like I, I, I truly believe that with everything that went on last year, he certainly would have been somebody that um, even racist people would have listened to, you know, cause they, cause they loved him so much. So, yeah, unfortunately, we didn't get that, and I, don't, I still don't know if I've um, truly come to grips with the fact that he's gone. Mark Spears of ESPN here on Tim and Sid. Exactly one year from the date Kobe Bryant uh, was killed alongside his daughter uh, that day in California. Um, that from a basketball standpoint, Spears, I, I, I've been thinking about this today a little bit. Kobe was top top level for most of his career. And it's just I'm I'm starting to think he was the last, I mean he was the last of a lot, but he was the last of that superstar who and I know he technically wasn't drafted a Laker, but to go kind of front to back. And who and Giannis could be that guy, right? Like there's some kids that I want to give the benefit of the doubt to that could yeah. be that kind of player. But Curry. I I think yeah. Curry like, there aren't many left, you know, who are going in this Instagram age who are going to just – and he wasn't always happy. I understand that. We understand that. But he stayed. And I just feel like, yeah. like that that kind of era of player at that level, I don't know if we're going to see much of that anymore. Well, the one thing also, I don't know how many people we're going to see now that had that killer instinct. Like, he actually had an entire league afraid of him. <laughs> Right, it's true. And, and, and we, one thing we can laugh about, as we can see from his uh, moment with Chris Childs, he wasn't the greatest fighter in the world in terms of like you, you, you weren't gonna put him in a ring against nobody. You know, he wasn't gonna beat you there. But on the court, he was mentally the strongest, uh, mentally athletically gifted, athletically intimidating. Would let you know what he was gonna do. Uh, would just just have all the skills all the talent, never gave up. It, it was an incredible to me that on those bad Lakers teams he played with Chris Mims and Smush Parker, that the games <laughs> were still packed, that people were excited to go. Like that 81-point yeah. game against the Raptors, that team was trash. Like, did they win that game? I don't even they remember did. if they won that game. They did. But, I mean, like, he won the game for them. That team wasn't any good, you know, <laughs> but he was still the price of admission in L.A. And the only person I ever saw that was able to, like, get under his skin a little bit was Paul Pierce. That was it. Everybody else basically looked at him like he was a god on the floor. And um, he made you better. And, you know, even if you didn't want to hear it, he was going to let you know and, and push to bring out the best in you. And if you couldn't handle it, then go. <laughs> go. Like, yeah. uh, he just um, – Every everybody, nobody was like him. I, I don't know if there will be any anybody else like him. He, like when you say who was the next Michael Jordan, to me it was him. It was him, and so b to be able to have a great seat to see him at his finest, you know. Like I started covering the NBA in '99. I was actually in LA, uh, did some Lakers games when he was a rookie. Um, so to but to see him in his prime. In, in face to face, like to see it, not not just watching on TV, but to actually see it, it, it's hard to explain how amazing it was. 
Mark Spears joining us here on Tim and Sid. Uh, before we let you go, I, this is the toughest question, and I understand it. But, I understand and I, it, but... <laughs> and I don't know when right. we will know uh, if it's actually true um, or what is actually true. What's the legacy? Like, what, what will he... I know that the undefeated talk to players. I know that James Wiseman was talking about uh, his history. But, like, Sabrina Ionescu, like... Yeah. The, the women who take up the game, um, like I feel like his legacy will be written for years and years down this road. No, he's a uh, he, he's he's an icon. He's uh, like on that list with like when you mention people like Ali and and Pele and you know some of the greatest sports people in the world has known on and off the court. You know. Um, he's that, um, he's a champion. He, you know, overcame some, some very big odds, um, overcame some, some dark times too. And, uh, you know, we, we didn't always see eye to eye. We had our issues. Remember I used to work in Denver, Colorado, where the state, that state was, a you know, part of his problems. He once slammed the door in my face and, um, and we talked, and we we got over it. And he, but then there was when one team that I think he grew a lot from that. And um, I remember going to a, a charity game for Hurricane Katrina victims, which which included my parents, a lot of my family members, and being there with the elite players in the NBA. But he was the only one that pulled me to the side to ask me how my parents was doing, to ask me about how my fam- family was doing. I like to, to get details about what they were dealing with. Um, he's the only player I've known that, you know, his last year of his career, he brought me into the trainer's room and was asking me about how things were going with Yahoo. <laughs> and, and like, you care? <laughs> like, really? And he cared. He cared. Like, he wanted to know. Uh, and and that's the the email I got where he he like right from your heart like he was the master. I don't even know how much time we got here. I'm just rambling on, but he was the master of if people came to see him after a game, it was always somebody a note or somebody interesting or maybe it was a kid make a wish kid or somebody. He would go out of his way to basically study that person before he got a chance to meet him. And I would see people nervously waiting outside the locker room to talk to him and get to, you know, meet him for the first time. And these would be like people of note, right? Man, he'd walk in, hey, hey, Jason, yeah, man, oh, I read about all the da-da-da-da that you're doing, blah, 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 blah. And then you see, like, all of a sudden this whole wall come down and these people would be, like, talking to Kobe like they'd known each other for years. And I was like, that's how he got into the business world outside of basketball. He was he was brilliant. He was a brilliant people person who, you know, got down on air. He never acted like he was better than you other than when he was on the court. Now, on the court, you're trying to take your head off. He definitely felt like he was better than you. But then off of it, he was trying to pick your brain. He was trying to learn from you. He was trying to get better as a, as a human and get better uh, in the business world. And so that's why I'm – I just wish we could have saw like what was next. Like um, there was so much more that was next that we'll never see. 
I know a closing line when I hear it. He's Mark Spears of ESPN's The Undefeated. Um, Spearsy, we, on, on any day, we appreciate you jumping on. On a day like today, with so many thoughts and emotions still very much in the air, we, uh, we are lucky to have you on. Take care, man. Thank well, you. Well, I will say this. Kobe and Shaq were an amazing duo, but they eventually broke up. Tim and Sid, you're an amazing duo. I know. Congratulations, Tim, on where you're going. Um, and I'm, I, I'm going to miss y'all being together, man. You guys are an amazing duo. You guys are friends. You know, I know you'll remain friends and, and can continue greatness to you both. You guys are definitely legends. Appreciate it, homie. Be well, man. Thanks, Mark. All right. Thank you. Peace. There is uh, Mark Spears. And Sid and I often get confused for each other, so we're okay with it. He can, Time that for, guy can confuse whatever the hell he wants, right? <laughs> okay. He's amazing. Just a slip of the tongue. It's understood. All good. All good. Uh, time for break. When we come back, Chris Johnson, Shai Davidi, Baseball Hall of Fame, and plenty of hockey talk next right here. Tim and Sid, Sportsnet, Radio and TV. This ain't like when you're at a game and sign up for a credit card just to get the prize and then you immediately cancel the credit card. Because there's no prize when you sign up for our radio shows at iTunes or with your favorite podcatcher. Sportsnet 590, the fan on demand. This is Tim and Sid on Sportsnet Radio and TV. Chris Johnson, Shai Davidi coming up. Baseball Hall of Fame about to make an announcement. Or maybe not. An announcement of no announcement. <laughs> Tim, they it sent Brian be Kenny of MLB Network down to Cooperstown. It's like there's 10 centimeters on the ground. It looks awful. And there might be no one going in the Hall of Fame today. <laughs> do, do you think they know, though, if they did send Brian Kenny down? <sighs> you would think MLB Network would be given some kind of heads up, but I, it's dicey, man. At best, it was dicey for anyone to get in. I don't know. I don't know if they got a heads up. Nice little trip for Brian Kenny. Look, Cooperstown seems cool, weather aside, regardless of when you go. But he might have made the trip for no reason, which would be quite the trip. We'll find out. What do we do with this uh, report from Carlos Baerga's IG account? Because I well, hist- history says Tim anything from Carlos Baerga we report. I think it's pretty obvious. Like Carlos Baerga, you trust Carlos Baerga. You have to. Actually, him, he and uh, uh, Robbie Almar are pretty tight. So if he's good with Robbie, he's good with me. So do we talk about it and just say, like, we've done this before where you and I just say, here's something we saw. Mm-hmm. Do with it what you will. Mm-hmm. Is that is that the level that we're at right now? Yeah. Because it's, okay. it's, it's an, it's an un... Uh, it's an uncharacteristic report is what, you, is what you're getting at, obviously. Like, this isn't Rosenthal. It's not a guy in a barber's chair in B.C. It's, you know, something different. So Somewhere um, in between. I, somewhere in between. So this is a take-it-for-what-it's-worth thing. I would agree. Let's phrase it as that. But I still think it's worth putting in the, uh, in the ether. All right. Carlos Bayerga on his Instagram account mm-hmm. is saying that the Jays have reached a contract agreement with Marcus Simeon. Now, listen. We are not reporting this in any way, shape, or form. We're just passing along information that we are reading, and we do so with the caveat that you guys are smart enough to figure out whether or not this is something that you would uh, like to believe and or not believe. And I will not judge you, and Sid will not judge you in either way. We just think that it's significant enough to pass along and keep our eye on for the rest of the show. If anything were to happen, Shai Davidi does join us. 
right at around six thirty, right. And that, listen, as we've seen, things things appear real and then they're not, right? Like it's Correct. been that kind of off season. It's it's been Correct. a weird, weird, weird MLB off season. Hence but my hesitancy. I'm kind of with you, but the other part of me is like, if this is true, it's nice. <laughs> that's that's a night. Marcus Simeon two seasons ago finished third in MVP voting for the Oakland Athletics in the American League behind the winner, Mike Trout, and the number two guy in the vote, Alex Bregman, who's a cheater face, so really he finished second in that vote when you really think about it. That's the kind of year he had in 2019 at shortstop for the Oakland A's. Now, the other part of this is I said shortstop. Yes, Jace seemed to have a shortstop. His name is Bo Bichette. What would that mean for a Marcus Simeon? I don't know. Lots to kind of toss around here. What does that mean for Kevin Biggio? I don't know. If it's all real. I don't know if it's real. Tim doesn't know if it's real. It's just in the ether. Hey, do it at what you will. We're just two guys on TV and radio, man. You guys, We're just talking. You guys are smart enough. You're smart enough. You guys are you smart know enough. how this goes. Tim and I have raised you right. You know what to do with this. Okay? You know what to <laughs> do right. with this. Uh, 51% of the votes in. Schilling at 74%. Bonds at 73.5%. Clemens at 73%. After the 6 o'clock hour, we're going to hear if any of those guys got in to the hallowed halls of Cooperstown. Shai Davidi will join us 6.30 Eastern time. And coming up next, Chris Johnson. A big win for the Canucks and the rematch at the Saddle Dome. Next on Tim and Sid. Subscribe to our radio shows at iTunes or with your favorite podcatcher. No medical exam or health questions will be asked. Sportsnet 590, the fan on demand. Time for Tim and Sid. Time for Tim and Sid. Time for Tim and Sid. Oh, yeah. It's time for real sports talk with Tim McCallum and Sid Sexero. Thank you very much, Sheepdogs. A jam-packed day here on Tim and Sid and in the sports world. Of course, the one-year anniversary of the tragic loss in Calabasas, California, that included Kobe Bryant, his daughter, seven others in a helicopter crash offset by the 60th birthday of the greatest of all time, Wayne Gretzky, 13 games in the NHL tonight including the Leafs and the Flames, the Oilers, and the Jets. And, oh, yeah, one of the most controversial votes in Cooperstown history as the top three players on the list going into the day were Kurt Schilling, Barry Bonds, and Roger Clemens. It will garner very little discussion, Tim. I think we established that earlier in the show. No one really cares about this Hall of Fame thing and the cheating. Like, no one tweets in or, you know, check that. Everyone cares about it. This this is your surefire, get people going, sports talk conversation. Lock it in for each of the last nine years and count it for one more year next year right. because no one's probably get based on the numbers from Thibodeau that you play, you read earlier prior to the break there, Tim, no one's getting in this year. So at least that's what I think. So we're going to have this again next year. Thank you, Hall of Fame. Your ineptitude gives us content. We appreciate it. You're fantastic. Um, but I am going to be happy if it's Derek Jeter and Larry Walker who get, like, I'm just, Tim, I'm trying to picture in a world where we're a lot better off than we are now in July yeah. of this year on a Sunday on, on a sun-drenched afternoon in Cooperstown, New York, 
with with tons of Expo fans making the trip for Larry and giving him love, and then the history of Derek Jeter, who I still can't believe because of one vote, one idiot, was not a unanimous first ballot Hall of Famer. Topic for another day. Wait, he was. You're thinking of Mariano Rivera, aren't you? Mariano Rivera was the first ever unanimous Hall of Famer. Jeter missed by the one vote, but he was. You're thinking of a Yankee. You're in the you're in the ballpark, but the one guy who wanted to make a point certainly made a point. Not going to even acknowledge his name, even if I knew it. Wouldn't acknowledge it, even if I knew the guy's name. My point is this: it's going to be a good year for the Hall of Fame. Hopefully, hopefully, because that's going to be an afternoon Canadian baseball fans won't forget, and baseball fans in general. Won't soon forget. Uh, Shai Davidi coming up in mere moments from now. Um, Brandon Sutter scored the first career hat trick in his 13-year career yesterday. And Vancouver gives the lower mainland a little bit of an exhale with a 7-1 win over the Senators last night. Um, Vancouver now 3-5-0 on the season. Does that kind of sort of quiet concerns in the lower mainland or as we get Chris Johnson on the line in seconds from now, are they still breathing heavy? Tim, I saw Dale Talon trending in Canada yesterday, and I couldn't understand it. And then I clicked on it. It's like, oh, Canuck fans. That's the reason it's trending. Canuck Twitter is just on fuego right now. And Jim Benning is feeling it. Travis Green's kind of feeling it. I don't think he should be feeling it that much, but Jim Benning's kind of feeling it. And I don't know what these next two games – against Ottawa at Rogers Arena are going to look like to me. Um, let's assume they're a little closer. And I, I think nothing less than a sweep of these two games against a young uh, Senators team, right? Stutzla yeah. looked young on that hat-trick goal, and I'm not ripping on Stutzla, but welcome to the NHL. Stuff like that's going to happen. They really needed that last night. I don't know if they needed seven goals, but just just a win, just to make a little, just to get a little breathing room between themselves and seventh place Ottawa. I think it was good for them. I still think they need a few more of those against this type of opposition to get the confidence going. And it'd be nice if 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 Petey, quote unquote, could also find it that's, over these couple of games. So it's gonna be an interesting couple of games coming up for the Canucks. That's why I don't know um, whether or not they're breathing easy in Vancouver right now because PD hasn't gotten it going yet. Correct. Uh, I think I think the Demco 35 saves and the first win of the season like we have seen him go on a run before in a short time frame and I think po- folks in Vancouver are hoping that that 35 save performance um was the start of something but I think they're still worried because they want to see the 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 soon to be superstar Elias Pettersson do a little bit more. Um, then they want to see Brandon Sutter score a hat trick. But the seven one is so fun for me when you start like, do you ease at five one, knowing you got to face the same team a couple more times, or just back to backs? Like, who cares? You know that seven one will be posted on the bulletin board in the Senators' room, right? Like, do you need more motivation in these back to back situations? No, you don't. But I think, but to go with what you were saying earlier about the heat and the pressure in Vancouver about the start, they, I know what you're saying about, hey, save some for the next few games. Like, just, just hold off. Uh, they, they, or, they, they needed to pick me up. That whole crew or, needed to pick me up. Or don't pound the team that you're about to play again because you're just going to motivate them. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see what yeah. kind of Ottawa comes out. I don't out know. Over the I'm next not saying games. that's going to happen. I'm just saying. Well, it's a, it's a possibility. You know, they got embarrassed. I'm, saying, and I'm, I'm just saying. I'm sure DJ Smith's going to. Well, and DJ Smith's going to make some roster changes, it sounds like, between now and that next game. He wasn't very happy. 
He's all about working hard. All right, I want to find guys that work hard. We'll see what the next game looks like. Um, Chris Johnson of Hockey Night Canada and Sportsnet joining us. CJ, welcome, um, welcome to the show. Two questions off the front. One, uh, if you had a baseball Hall of Fame vote, would you vote for Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds? Secondly, I'm leaving Schilling out of it because he's trash. Secondly, um, do you think the, the Leafs have to go in some way get physical with Matthew Kachuk tonight just to tell the Zach Cassians of this league and the Corey Perrys of this league and the Brady Kachuks of this league and Antoine Roussel's of this North division that, you know what, just you're not going to do that with our goalie. Do they have to go down that road tonight at some point with Matthew Kachuk? That might be the weirdest set of opening questions I've been asked <laughs> to start a radio hit. <laughs> that's, that's a whole Thank range. You. Thank you for the compliment. Thank you. I'm putting Bonds and Clemens in the hall on my ballot uh, just because I think they're Hall of Famers. It, obviously, it was the cheating era, but they were the best, and I don't think it was just because they cheated. Um, and I just don't like the whole moralistic aspect of this because who knows what other people have done that was never you know, revealed. Uh, when it comes to the Leafs, you know, I, I actually don't know that they should waste too much time with Matthew Kachuk. I mean, obviously, Wayne Simmons or someone on the team will – will probably go out of his way to, to make his presence felt. But, you know, even though the Leafs have added a little bit more physicality or players that play that way, let's face it. I mean, they, they can't be a team taking penalties. I mean, I, I just think that they need to lean into their skill and, and not get too tied up in that. And, and you know, I, I can understand the discussion that's been kind of stemming out of that, that Sunday game. But, you know, I think Jack Campbell was hurt, frankly, before the, the Kachuk play. It's not to excuse the Kachuk play, but it's just I, I just worry that, you know, I heard you guys off the top. You're talking about Ottawa and Vancouver. Just with so many games against these teams, I, I think you really have to try not to waste energy on things that aren't productive to, to adding two points to the bank. This is, listen, I don't think this is a suspendable offense in any way, shape, or form. Did the league reach out and say anything like "watch your balance in those spots, please"? Um, did they? Do they? Re- like I think the referees need to step in and go. All right, two each. You get off the ice because you're not allowed to play anymore because we kind of think you did that on purpose. And all you do is you take Brody, who's wrestling with him, and you take Kachuk and you take him off the ice. And then the coach says to him next time he goes out there, "Hey, don't do that. I need you for the final 23 seconds or whatever the hell it was." Um, do, do you think that the league needs to have a bit more of a say? Listen, the NFL says don't touch the quarterbacks. Does the NHL need to step in and say, listen, we're, we got a, we got a problem with getting guys uh, into Canada to play goalie because they got to wait 14 days in a quarantine. Like, do they need to protect the goalies a little bit here? Well, you know, I know that certainly Matthew Kachuk's been on their radar before. I, you know, I don't think that this specific incident will, will do that. Um, it, it's an interesting Should question. It? Should, it? Should they? That's what I'm asking, yeah. I, I do think they largely do protect the goalies, though. You know what I mean? Like, to go back to the original point, it's not as though Jack Campbell got injured by being run at. Um, you know, I can understand why the Leafs didn't like what Kachuk did there, but I think we're talking about Campbell being out for, for a number of weeks, you know, whether that play happens or not. You know, I, I do think over time that they're, the league has – made the goalie a little bit more out of bounds and, and, and it's been less of an issue. And, you know, I hate to say this, but people are going to get hurt. I mean, this, this, these things are going to happen. Um, you know, certainly, you know, it's not like Kachuk's going around injuring every goalie in the division. I just think that, you know, he, he doesn't miss, I guess, an opportunity to, 
to get under your your skin a little bit as an opponent when when he sees one. So, you know, it'll be very interesting now. You know, one thing I've got to think if you're Toronto, I mean, they're, they're down to their number one and their number four goalie in, in Michael Hutchinson. Yeah. You know, they really have to protect Anderson. Um, and, you know, it'll be interesting if, if Kachuk's getting anywhere near him tonight because that, that could be the one thing where I think, okay, they don't necessarily have to go looking for it, but if he's – if he's getting at Anderson, I think that's where you'll see them react, uh, you know, more than just what happened in the last game. Chris Johnson joining us while news breaks about the Toronto Blue Jays. And we had mentioned that we had heard rumors about a Marcus Simeon to the Jays, John Heyman and Jeff Passan now reporting that uh, Carlos Baerga was indeed correct. Marcus Simeon is Woo! going to the Toronto Blue Jays. Let's so they have go, added An infielder. Go. Breaking news, Shai Davidi will join us next segment so we can talk wow. about it. Wow. Wow. That's a guy who finished third again in MVP voting two years ago. The Jays got him for $18 million for a year. That is nothing. Back to hockey. Chris Johnson here on Timmonson. <laughs> uh, CJ, I'm, I'm uh, first off. I'm happy about that, though, too. Go ahead. Let's go. go I'm ahead. just I'll... a Jays fan, but I'm, I'm all in on this. Let's. You can talk. Let's... Dude, CJ, you, if, we, if we did an hour in the Jays. You could do an hour in the Jays, right? Like if it's if three of us are hosting a radio show, you wouldn't have to prep hard for that, right? Like you're a no, you're, you're I'd a be huge, totally huge irrational. Jays fan. Like I'm literally just a fan. Like I don't see Perfect. anything logically. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> you know, I I don't I don't know the whole league. I just know my team, and I you know I defend them to the death. And I would be completely I'd be the opposite of the way I am when it comes to hockey topics. Put it that way. You are a fan. That's okay. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, Chris, and a Chris Johnson here. Fan, going back a long time. So it's fantastic. That's well. It's a good day for you and that team because that's a hell of a pickup for only a year at eighteen mil. It doesn't lock you in any long term money with the kids. Damn, that wow. feels good. We'll talk. It, we'll talk about that. It will that shuffle some positions unless he wants to play second base, and even then yeah. it will shuffle some positions. But whatever. But not financially is what I'm saying, which is good. And it, they have an eye on that. Chris Johnson here on Tim and Sid. Um, <laughs> Tim mentioned earlier about goalies in the waiver wire and having to wait 14 days coming into Canada, a legitimate issue for Canadian teams. Um, the Leafs, CJ, are getting to a point here goaltending-wise where the, they don't have, the net is shrinking if another injury takes place. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm not seeing the goalies hit the waiver wire that hit early and then got swept up. I think teams are kind of learning their lessons there. Are you How concerned is Kyle Dubas in this moment, do you think? Well, he's got to be a little bit concerned. I mean, look, they, they, they brought four NHL goalies in their mind to camp and they're down to two. Um, you know, I think one of the things that benefits the Leafs here is they don't play, a, they actually don't play that many back to backs given as, as, as a whole, given how compacted the schedule is overall. And they don't play another one until February 17th and 18th. So, you know, there's a little bit of room to work here where they could even just play Anderson, I think, every game for the next nine. And it's, you know, it's a bit of a busy workload, but I don't think it's an unreasonable workload compared to what we've seen in his past seasons, but th- this is, it's an uncomfortable spot. I mean, Edmonton's been an uncomfortable spot too. Um, you know, waiting, waiting for their goaltenders to quarantine because there's only so many goalies physically in Canada. Like if, if I was advising any goaltender that isn't with an organization somewhere, I mean, the best thing he could probably do is come to Canada and start serving a quarantine and, and work out because it, it, like, it could actually literally lead to a job. Um, you know, I, I know, for example, Garrett Sparks was a, a PTO goaltender at Calgary's training camp. He, he, unfortunately for Garrett, left. That's one of the guys I think Edmonton reached out to when they ran into an issue. I mean, 
you know, this is probably an area where the NHL and, and I think they've done a great job getting the season going, but maybe didn't fully anticipate, you know, the way this would go because, you know, it, it's conceivable and in fact quite possible now that a Canadian team or two could run into a serious issue where they they just don't have enough goaltenders to play. Um, but, you know, so this is a less comfortable position because the Leafs anticipated this. Now they're down two of the original four with, with Aaron Dell being claimed on waivers. And, and so they're in a position where, you know, the third goalie now, Joseph Wall, you know, is he's a young goaltender. He's not really ready for an NHL net. And, you know, there's a set of circumstances that aren't impossible that could see him have to play games for them. Uh, one more for you, Chris, before we let you go. And uh, we had we had Pierre-Luc Dubois on the show yesterday, and he was kind of honest. Sid, I don't know if he changed your mind on the deal with how honest he was, but I was kind of shocked when he was done with us about his discussion on all of the things that we've all heard about his one shift, his end in Columbus, and what he's about to join in Winnipeg. What's your take on the deal and what was probably roundly applauded by Yarmo Kekalainen? And after my conversation with Pierre-Luc Dubois, I don't know how one-sided that deal was. I certainly don't view it as one-sided, and I, I can I can understand maybe why that impression is out there. You know, Patrick Laine has a tremendous shot. He scored a ton of goals. You know, as a teenager, sort of historical level potential with the way his his career started and all that. And so, you know, he's he's sort of a little bit more of a shiny toy, I guess you might call it, and a big personality. And and you know, I think it's a good pickup for Columbus. But you know, how how lucky in a sense are the, these two teams that that these two players? At the same time, we're, we're unhappy because I think both of them are candidates. If, if you're making a deal with another team, that you're probably not getting back the kind of value they, they were able to, to net because everything lined up pretty perfectly in the universe to, to, to see this trade done. But, you know, I think when it comes to a specific need for an organization, you know, if Pierre-Luc Dubois continues the way he started his career, as, you know, he's 22 with, as a play-driving centerman, a big, big man, um, you know, when you look at, Winnipeg's lineup. I just think that's the perfect piece to slide in there with Mark Shifley. Is you know the, those two is their top two centers. If Kyle Connor and, and Nick Ehlers on the wings, they have Connor Hellebuck and Ned, who was one of Vesna Trophy. I mean, this is a pretty nice looking team to me. And and yeah, you're 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 certainly going to give up some offensive opportunity by trading Line A, but you know getting a center that's as impactful as Dubois could be is an almost impossible task unless you draft them. So. You know, I, I I actually think the deal is far more of a soft. You know, I actually think it'll probably be decided on on who stays longer in in the market that they're in. I mean, both players need a new contract. Line is up after this year. Uh, Dubois signed through next season, but you know, theoretically, both could be moving on, or one or the other could be moving on pretty quickly from Columbus or Winnipeg if if they don't find the fit to their liking or there's not a contract on a long term deal. I mean, I I think. Maybe when we look back on this one, it'll be won or lost by who can integrate the player best and keep them happiest and have them play in their lineup for the longest period of time. And if Dubois spends, you know, a number of years as a Winnipeg Jet, you know, I think it, there's every possibility we look back on this deal as one that actually was in Winnipeg's favor. Chris Johnson of Hockey Night in Canada and Sportsnet. CJ, we love you. Appreciate you. Thanks for coming on and, uh, and rolling with it as you always do. And uh, enjoy the games tonight, man. Thank you. Yeah, let's go Blue Jays. <laughs> there is Chris Johnson. Following a lot of people saying that today. A lot of on people. Twitter, sportsnet.ca. Uh, if you hadn't heard the news, if you didn't hear us break into the conversation, it appears as though Marcus Simeon has signed a one-year, $18 million contract 
with the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, he had a phenomenal year just one year ago, third in AL MVP voting, slashing 285, 369, uh, 522. And uh, what's interesting about this, Sydney, is that he plays in a spot also where Bo Bichette plays baseball at shortstop. At shortstop. So second base, yes, probably. The other breaking news, Tim, no one has entered the Hall of Fame in this voting cycle. It's official. No one will be part of the class of 2021 in Cooperstown. We don't have official. Well, excuse me. I do. We do have official numbers. Go I ahead, do. Tim. You got the numbers. Read them up. Uh, Schilling falls 16 votes short, finishes at 71.1%. Bonds dropped to 60.7%. Clemens, 61.6%. And Roland, Scott Roland, 529 only one above the 50% plateau on the 414 total ballots. So, again, no one goes into Cooperstown shilling the closest. And to be honest with you, even after I argued with you that I didn't think Bonds and Clemens should go into the Hall of Fame, Sid, I'm kind of shocked that I'm seeing 60.7% and 61.6% for the two. Um. I mean, it's inter- it's interesting because it's because sixty point seven percent was for bonds this year. Last year, same thing. Oh, excuse me, last well, exact same. same he didn't thing. move. Yep. And Clemens this year sixty one point six. So he might so have got one more by maybe a couple more. Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, I this is it's a this is weird, you know. Like I had a feeling this we'd get here that it wouldn't be anyone going in, but it's to see it just like this now. It's not something I've absorbed to this degree, especially with names like this on the board. I am elated Derek Cheater and Larry Walker and the late Marvin Miller are going to have their day. Mm-hmm. I'm elated. You don't want Schilling there this year. You don't want Clemens there this year. You don't want Bonds there this year. No baseball fan wants, especially after what we've been through the last year. If it's a good enough situation where Cooperstown is full of fans and the thought of it just making my, my, my heart smile – and that's the kind of Sunday it is in Cooperstown. Let it be Jeter's. Let it be Larry's. I'm, uh, I'm very happy with that. Very. Heyman was a little bit off. Um, I got the note from Heyman, or excuse me, Joel Sherman. Um, it looks like 71% for Schilling, 61.8% for Bonds. So he did go up a percentage up. point. Wow. And Clemens almost went up a percentage point. But given this, I wouldn't be surprised if we end up with those two going to the Veterans Committee. That's not even how, next year? I thought you were going to say how, next year. So no, that's it's next year? That's how shocked I am. I thought they would be a lot closer this year. Hmm. And it's going to take a lot of votes to switch hands for them to make it next year. But again, right, Tim, gonna, I, think, I, think, I think a lot of – one quick, quick note. I just think yeah. a lot of voters are making a statement here. I, I, I truly believe that. We'll talk to Shai Davidi, although Shai voted for Clemens and Bonds. But I think a lot said, no, we're not doing this thing this year. It's Jeter's year. We're not going to mess with this. Yeah, what I'm saying to you is I think that it might be we're not messing with this year and we're not messing with next year. And if the Veterans Committee wants to do this, go ahead, do this. Just put it in I'm, their lap. Yeah, yeah I'm wondering if could. the statement isn't stronger than just this year. Uh, Marcus Simeon. I'm going to cross my fingers. Reports indicate, or should I uncross the? Do I cross the fingers or uncross? Just report the it. Don't cross anything. No. Reports don't be indicate 
that Marcus Simeon has signed a one-year, $18 million, million dollar deal with the Toronto Blue Jays. What does that mean to the infield as currently constituted? Who gets shuffled in the mix? And are there any others on the Jays' eyeline right now? Shai Davidi will join us next right here. Tim and Sid, big baseball day, January 26th, of course. Subscribe to our radio shows at iTunes or with your favorite podcatcher. Do not settle. Demand. Demand. Sportsnet 590 The Fan on Demand. Welcome back to Tim and Sid on what's turning out to be a pretty busy baseball day. As uh, the commercial break on radio and TV um, transpired, I went to Twitter to try and get some more information. Uh, One of the things I noticed, Bob Nightingale, a record 14 blank ballots in this year's. What's Sid's giving me a look like a come on, man. What's what's the come on, man, look for? Look, if you if you have a Hall of Fame vote, and you don't think Shai Davidi's going to join us here in a couple seconds, by the way. If you have a Hall of Fame vote, and you don't want to vote for Kurt Schilling, you don't have to. If you don't want to vote for Barry Bonds, you don't have to. If you don't want to vote for Roger Clemens, you don't have to. But I believe if you have agreed to take part in the process, because not every writer is. If you are asked to take part in the process, at least take part. No, but maybe maybe they didn't believe that anyone was Hall of Fame elig- uh, Hall of Fame worthy. Okay, well then give up your vote forever and let someone else step in no, but and let on. them make the decision. It's cowardly. Hold on. It's cowardly. You're, you're, you're it's getting with the you're with the old baseball writers. What if no one on that list is Hall of Fame worthy? You're telling me no one on that list is Hall of Fame worthy. If you're Nobody. not voting if you're not voting for Bonds, Clemens, or Schilling, who on that list okay, how do about you this? want? Then vote for the guy to get over 5% to stay on the ballot. Mark Burley, I'm happy to report, okay. is staying on the Hall of Fame ballot. He got 11%. 14 seasons of 200 innings in this league. Is he going to the Hall of Fame? Probably not. But I like the fact that Mark Burley is still on the ballot. Help so, a few so guys out in that regard is what you're I'm, cowarding, I'm saying. You're cowarding folks to keep them on the ballot. That's what you're doing here. I think it means a lot to guys. I, I do wanna, too, but I don't think if if, if he's not a okay, Hall of Famer, he's not a Hall of Famer. If I if you if Get Tim asks me to shovel his driveway and I go sure no problem, <laughs> today comes and I say you know what ethically I'm not down with this, so I'm not going to shovel your driveway today. What the hell are you doing? What kind of analogy? You are literally asked. You are literally asked to vote on the Hall of Fame, but but the writers and we all know how ethical all writers are. We all and know crot- that and crotchety. I'm on Give the crotchety side break. here. Oh, Give my God. Give me a break. All right. Al- Listen, I'm pretty lazy. That's super lazy to hand in blank ballots and think you're changing the world. Idiotic. Oh, my God. You don't get it. Idiotic. Shy, can you be the arbiter here? He's not here yet. That sucks. Ridiculous. We can continue this. So just, just so I'm clear, when Shy comes on, you think that what these people should have done was given someone who you don't even think is Hall of Fame worthy a vote. Just give one vote. That's all I'm asking. You've been <laughs> okay. asked to vote for the Hall of Fame. You're all not right. you're not you're not changing the you're not John Lennon by handing in a blank ballot. All right. You're not changing the world. You're not a superhero. <laughs> Do your job uh, and vote. Sid, Our, next it, it Our next let guest voted. Our next guest very good. 
Very good. Shai Davidi is joining us. Uh, and not, not only coming off this Hall of Fame announcement where no one gets in in 2021, the Derek Jeter and Larry Walker class go in this year, but no, no one goes in 2021. But Marcus Simeon has just signed with the Toronto Blue Jays. One year, $18 million. Shai is working his, his, his you-know-what off here. He's joining us. Shai, what, what's the more interesting story to you? Uh, to be honest, I'm just catching up on the Hall of Fame voting results right now because I've just uh, pulled myself out of the Marcus Simeon rabbit hole. Uh, but, uh, the, I mean, they're both really fascinating. I can't say that I'm surprised uh, and I, uh, from the, on the Hall of Fame front. And, uh, you know, I, was, uh, I caught a bit of your debate about the blank ballots. And, you know, I still think, you know, seven ballots out of 401 is it, – it's – negligible right it's all outlier uh and to me i was thinking about this a lot because i I really had a miserable time with my hall of fame ballot uh and this year maybe more than any other year and um you know the the fallback i have is that you know 75 percent is such a high threshold you know and seven ballots out of 401 it's it's a it's a mathematical nothing essentially so you know, I, I think that you can look at it and say, well, you know, let's look at that and examine why are people feeling this way? And is there an issue in the Hall of Fame voting? Is there an issue with the criteria? Is there something that we need to examine here? Um, and and then consider that because, you know, I think this process has been super, super difficult for a lot of people this year, uh, more than I've ever heard before. Uh, and, and I do think that there's something, some bigger issues that need to be examined here. Yeah, there's like an ethical debate on the top three. I I completely understand why it might be tougher uh, this time around. Okay, let's get to the Blue Jays story of the day since you were just in the Marcus Simeon rabbit hole. Who finished runner-up on the Marcus Simeon? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, How did this come about? And my immediate question is, is he playing shortstop? He is not playing shortstop. It looks like he's going to go to second base. Uh, and I think that the, the plan right now will be for the Blue Jays to look at uh, some sort of Biggio Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hybrid there. Um, and, you know, I think that it, this makes sense. And, you know, in an ideal world, I think the Blue Jays were going to add an infielder one way or the other, right? And mm-hmm. I, I think that. In the ideal world, you get someone who can play shortstop. In the event something happens to Bo Bichette, then you've got some backup there. Um, and if you, you know, if, if Marcus Simeon is anything like 2019 Marcus Simeon, I mean, like, who cares where he plays? I mean, the guy, the guy's just going to need to play. He was almost an eight-win player that year. So I think this is a, it's a huge upside grab. It's a, it's a one-year deal. I think you know Simeon is obviously going to be looking to return to the market after this, put up a big season and hope that the circumstances are better for uh, free agency the, the next time around. Uh, so it's a, it's an intriguing partnership uh, in, in two different ways here. Uh, but I mean, it, it's just, you know, you think that you, know, you took an already pretty potent lineup and now you're adding George Springer and Marcus Simeon to it. Uh, I mean, this has got a, a chance to be a one hell of a batting order. Shai Davidi here on Tim and Sid, Marcus Simeon, has signed a one-year, $18 million deal with the Blue Jays. Uh, that news coming down this afternoon. I'm a, I'm a little torn here, Shy, in that Simeon, again, as a shortstop in Oakland, was outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. These are one of those bargain moves that you knew was sitting there, especially as, as, as pitchers and catchers reporting drew closer and closer. You knew you might get somebody like this at this price. 
my issue is he, I mean, the last time he didn't play shortstop was 2014. And the defensive runs saved weren't great. Um, what should expectations realistically be here for some parts of Blue Jays nation that might not know a ton about Marcus? Well, I mean, I think that you're primarily you're looking at the offense first here, right? Um, and, you know, this is a guy who's going to add a ton of impact there, but he's got a chance to be a really solid defender. And look, if you can play shortstop, you can slide over to second, you can slide over to third, right? You know, that, that's not the issue. The, the, the challenge in the infield is sticking at shortstop. So if you can play shortstop the way that he has, and he's got uh, experience at second and third base in the majors, not, not a ton, but he's got some, you know, I, I don't, I don't think that's going to be an issue. And, you know, at second base, he's not exactly displacing a, you know, a, a gold glover there. You know, I mean, Kevin Vigia was uh, a competent second baseman, but it's, you know, by and large, he wasn't stealing hits regularly. And I think the Blue Jays are feeling a little bit more comfortable uh, with him at third base. And, uh, you know, I think that's going to be, I think that their plan right now is to, is for mostly Biggio to be at third base uh, with Guerrero uh, at their, at the hot corner when possible. But I think that on the whole, this should make the infield a little bit tighter. It's something that the Blue Jays wanted to do. Uh, you've got a, a better defender in center field now with George Springer. So you've got, um, a, a better defense uh, holistically when you look around the diamond. Uh, and, and I think that, that, you know, the, 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 t- because he's been the guy on a team, Simeon has been a dude. He's just like George Springer. Uh, there, there's some leadership there. There's some good character. Uh, there, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of sort of total package that comes with Simeon. And, you know, I think there, there's some questions about what happened last year. Why did his performance dip at the plate the way that it did? But, you know, it's also pandemic seasons, you know, small sample size randomness and things of that nature that, you know, I don't think that should be too much of a concern. Shai Davidi joining us here on Tim and Sid as Marcus Simeon has signed a one-year $18 million deal uh, with the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, I love days like this because people just fire off tweets at us asking questions about what may happen. And a lot of the fans right now are saying they smell a deal. Do, do you think the Jays have to move somebody or can they go with this organizational depth, however you see it, whether it's in the outfield with Guriel, Grichik, Springer, and Teoscar, or whether it's at first base slash DH? So I think that what the Blue Jays in an ideal world, what they've been trying to do is to build out surplus on their roster so that they have – a lot of protection in case of underperformance and injuries, right? And look, I mean, even in the, the 60 game shortened season last year, you know, they went, they had to go deep down the roster a number of times and had mm-hmm. to have a lot of injuries and be able to overcome things. And, you know, and this is no disrespect, but in an ideal world, you know, if uh, an outfielder goes down, you're, you've got someone who's bringing more offense to the table than Jonathan Davis is, right? And that, that's not your sort of emergency call-up, or you're not going to a forest wall or, or something along those lines. And the same, uh, same in the infield, you know, as important a player as Santiago Espinal was last year. You know, I think the, the, the Blue Jays' preference is to be able to, you know, move, uh, move a Marcus Simeon over into the shortstop position if something happens to Bo Bichette. So uh, I think that the Blue Jays have been trying to emulate uh, the, the Dodger style of major league roster where 
you know, there's constant competition for playing time. You can move guys all around to different spots in the diamond. Uh, you can have all these different combinations that protect you uh, in case of injury, in case of underperformance, and to allow you to play matchups. So, uh, you know, the, is there a potential for a deal? Sure. The Blue Jays do have a little bit of surplus in the outfield now, clearly. But I also don't think that the Blue Jays hate that. You know, they've got a DH spot. They don't have a dedicated designated hitter. Uh, and they can rotate a bunch of guys through, ride who's hot, and, you know, try to optimize matchups as often as possible. Sean DeVita here on Tim and Sid. Marcus Simeon signs with the Toronto Blue Jays one year, $18 million. All right, Sean, just for my own uh, benefit, because my numbers, I'm not sure where the numbers sit. The luxury tax is $210 million going into this year. What? Where does this $18 million put the Jays? And do you think there is room to maneuver? Because I can't get the Cubs rumor out of my head with either Chris Bryant or Kyle Hendricks. I just can't. Where do the Jays sit now, and how much flexibility does it give them? So I believe that right now they would be at roughly 128 uh, in guarantees. And um, you know what? Let me call up my spreadsheet here. And Take your time. This you is important. This is important. Your answer there. Yeah, mm-hmm. so there would be about 128 right now once you – uh, factor in the eventual money for uh, pre-arbitration eligible players. So trust you know, your gut, Davidi. They... Trust your I'm gut. Not... <laughs> you didn't need the spreadsheet. Go ahead, continue. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, hey, I don't want to. I don't want to put something incorrect out there. Then, <laughs> I hear you. Know, I hear you. Uh, uh, you know, so I think it, it's how much further are they going to go? And you know, uh, I think we we've got the the fact that uh, whatever happened between the Blue Jays and Michael Brantley. You know, I think was a bit instructive if they were, you know, if Brantley got uh, 232 from from Houston. He would have been in and around there with the Blue Jays, so they had some money there. Now that money has been moved over uh, to, to Marcus Simeon for the upcoming season. Uh, and we know that they still want to add uh, a pitcher and perhaps a reliever. So uh, are, uh, how much more can they go? Uh, how much higher can they go? Uh, obviously, they're not going to advertise that, but it seems that they still have a, a bit more room. Uh, and look, the, the luxury tax, getting up to the competitive balance tax was uh, was never going to be something that the Blue Jays were going to do this year. Um, but uh, they've certainly moved away from some of the lower levels that we've seen over the past couple of years. All right. So we all agree that they still need a couple of arms. And I have about 30 questions that I want to ask you. So for those wondering where they're going to go next, we're thinking arms. However... A lot of the rest of baseball is accusing Toronto of overpaying on this and Springer. Agree or disagree? So I, I mean, I have a sort of a different outlook on that. And okay. the, the price that, uh, you know, overpay, I mean, could some other teams have gotten the player for less? Perhaps. But, you know, if that's, if that's the price for you, that's the price for you. Right? And... You know, this whole notion of, uh, you know, they shouldn't do that or, you know, you give, you give a guy two years. Look, are, are you in it to win it or are you trying to make the other teams happy? The other teams don't like it. Too bad. And, you know, there, there were similar accusations hurled at the Jays uh, in the early 2000s when they went out and signed uh, A.J. Burnett and, and B.J. Ryan to uh, substantial contracts back then. Uh, but, you know, if that's the cost for you to get in the game, then that's what it is. So, uh, you know, the Blue Jays are a team that has spending capacity. 
they can they, this is a market that's one of the bigger ones in major league baseball and it's important for them to act like it and you know if teams are crying about moves that the blue jays make the the way that uh they do when the yankees make moves then then good you know the blue jays are finally behaving the way that they should be shiny beauty here on tim and sid um, final one for me, Shy. I mean, it, we all remember 2015 in the lead up to that trade deadline in Alex Anthopoulos. It 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 was apparent when he got a taste for it that uh, a, a run on talent was coming. Uh, you you get the feeling this is happening here, and I know they signed a guy to 150 million. So yes, obviously they're being aggressive, but Simeon at 18 is nice. And Shy, you're, I know you're looking at the same free agent landscape and potential trade landscape as the rest of us. This thing could be far from over. If you're looking at a free agent right now, what's your gut telling you on the one the Jays really should take a couple of looks at here? Not just for talent, but for for price point. Like, what free agent out there is intriguing you, considering this might not be over for Mark and Ross? Well, I think, like, if you look at the roster right now, you know, they need a guy who can win you a playoff game as a pitcher. Right, they need someone who can give the ball to, and you know it's his game, and he shoves it, he shuts it down, and and that's it. You know, you know they've got Ryu, but beyond that, do you have that guy? I don't know. So, you know, I for me, I'm I'm really interested in James Paxton. I think he's he he has so much upside. The question is, is he healthy? What's his stuff look like? And you know that I, I don't know based on you know the way that he finished last season with the injury and whether or not you know how how his progression uh, through through the winter has has played along. So you know I think he's interesting. Uh, you know Taiwan Walker, who was here last year, uh, is a really interesting guy as well. Uh, he's got he's got that upside. He's always had it, but he also comes with health concerns and. I think that's a, the primary challenge for the Blue Jays right now. It's like, how do you get that impact arm? You know, the, it's not really there in free agency unless you go sign Trevor Bauer, which, uh, you know, I would think at this point is probably off the table. But, you know, you need, if you're going to be, if you're going to be legitimate, like it's great to be able to score, you know, seven or eight runs a night, but you're, you're going to need some guys to shut down the other team uh, on yep. occasion. And not sure that they have enough of that in the rotation at this point. I am uh, currently attempting to log into my Facebook account, which I haven't logged on to in a long time because Kurt Schilling has released uh, a letter on Facebook to the Hall of Fame in which he says, and I quote, I will not participate in the final year of voting. I am requesting to be removed from the ballot. I will defer to the Veterans Committee and men whose opinions actually matter and are in a position to actually judge a player. I, I got into my Facebook account, and it is long. So I can't read all of it to you, but it is in typical Kurt Schilling fashion. As someone who did not vote for Kurt Schilling, Sean, your take on that is what? Fine. You know, I, great. I don't, have to, I, I, I don't have to go through the exercise next year. Um, Good point. You know, I, I, th- I think, like, uh, you know, I, I don't want to... I think the perception is that, you know, you you look at him like, oh, it's based on politics. But, you know, for me, it's more the issue with him and sort of uh, rewarding him for those things are that he would – it's just you're giving him a platform and it's just – it's we've seen 
what that kind of rhetoric has done in the United States and what the, what the consequences of that are. And it's not, you know, it's like you want to support Donald Trump, that's great. But when you start calling your political opponents enemies of the state and, you know, the you're, you know, you're starting to deny or, or question things about, uh, you know, put out questionable information about uh, the vaccine efficacy and, you know, downplay coronavirus and things of that nature. You know, do we want to give a person like that a megaphone right now? Uh, you know, I, I, personally, I think that that's dangerous. And and for me, that's uh, that's why I just I personally couldn't do it. And, you know, if I was outside the consensus and 75 percent of the other voters uh, believed he should be in the Hall of Fame, you know, that that's good for them. That's their choice. Uh, but, you know, I voted my conscience on that one. And, you know, if he doesn't want to be considered, it is what it is. And, you know, we'll see what the, if the veteran com- veterans committee come up with a different outcome. I'm it's, glad uh, you it's I'm glad lot. you distinguish between. I'm just glad you distinguish between uh, spreading misinformation and making uh, homophobic or um, cultural um, suggestions and politics. Because those are like I would never. I I don't think Colin Kaepernick should have been punished for his politics or for attempting to make a statement. Same thing I would say about Kurt Schilling, but that. That doesn't encapsulate all that Schilling has done. It's not just politics. It's not just, I would, if you support Donald Trump and that's, you have been a Republican all your life, I'm okay with that. It's the rest of the stuff that you add on to it that I think gets you in the dicey position. And I'm just glad that you differentiated between the two. Right. Because, like, look, I mean, uh, Mariano Rivera has been a big Trump supporter, right? Oh, and yeah. you know, there's no, there's no issue there. But he's not going around telling people who have a different political view that they're enemies of the state, right? right? And and just you know, and then and then you know, he did this after uh, after the Hall of Fame ballots were due. But then he essentially doubled down and was like, yeah, insurrection was proper. And you know, what did you guys think? With this is this is what we need to do. You know, I mean, do you want that guy up up on uh, up on the podium in Cooperstown in the summer giving a speech? Uh, not and, on Derek Jeter's weekend. Not on Derek Jeter's right. weekend or Larry Walker's not, weekend. Not on no. anybody, but not on anybody's no. weekend, right? And yep, like we've we've just kind of gone to a really bad place in the United States. Um, you know, a, a, a turn towards uh, towards a, a type of fascism that we've never seen on this continent. And I think that we need to have a little bit more restraint in the way we talk about things and a little bit more respect for fellow citizens, regardless of what their views are. Um, and I just don't see a lot of that coming. And if you go down through, uh, you know, go down through his Twitter timeline. I mean, it is a it is a, a hate filled trip uh, through a rabbit hole. And, uh, you know, that's you know, I think if, if you're if the Hall of Fame is going to put in character as a consideration, um, then I, I don't think that you can just look the other way on that. I, I would agree. Shy time, not our friend. You've been phenomenal. Thank you for this, sir. We appreciate it. Pleasure as always, guys. Talk to you soon. There's uh, Shy Davidi. Programming note, George Springer is joining Tim and I tomorrow at 5.05 Eastern, right off the front of the show. One more baseball news on the fire. We're going to take a break. More Tim and Sid coming up after this. Send us all your money. Sign up for our free podcast at iTunes or with your favorite podcatcher, and we'll send you a free subscription for Sportsnet 590 The Fan On Demand. Absolutely free.
from the Twitter account of Kurt Schilling, former players will be the ultimate judge, as it should be. I will not allow a group of morally bankrupt frauds another year to lie about my life. Uh, others writing into the show. Ryan, sport is and should be a reflection of society. It's good and healthy to do things differently as we evolve. Cheats and racists used to be accepted. It doesn't mean they still should be. Andrew, if you let cheaters in, people will think cheating is acceptable. Just look at politics. Hashtag MLB is a joke. Dave, if you aren't going to honor your own rules, Major League Baseball, why have them? They aren't rules. They are really only suggestions to be applied randomly depending on the player status. That might be my favorite of the Read that one more time, Tim. Read that for me one more time. Dave, if you aren't going to honor your own rules, MLB, why have them? They aren't rules. They are really only suggestions to be applied randomly depending on the player's status. It's a complete joke. And I think it's an appropriate way to end the show. Because Tim and I grew up in this business when we were kind of cutting our teeth watching Barry Bonds night after night break into ESPN and break into network TV when this hunt to break Hank Aaron's record was on. And baseball loved every second of it. Baseball loved every single second of it. They were leading sports center in the States on ESPN every single night. And it was a lie. It was a lie. And the worst commissioner in the history of sports, Bud Seeley, let it continue over and over and over again. And now we're getting holier than now. Now we're going to act like it didn't happen. Now we're going to act like the Giants didn't make billions off it. Now we're going to act like the TV contracts were propped up by it. Now we're going to act like it. I love baseball. I always will. Sometimes it's kind of a joke. And today, in my mind, it's kind of a joke. Homeboy, Sammy Sosa got 17% of the vote. Was that his number? I didn't even notice. 17%. Of course you didn't notice it. Because he's not Barry Bonds (laughs) or Roger Clemens. And people want to separate Barry Bonds from Roger Clemens and Sammy Sosa. Exactly. Exactly. With the same energy for Sammy. He made a lot of money, too. McGuire's nowhere. he's, 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 He's not even brought up anymore. McGuire's not even brought up anymore. It's because he's off the ballot. It's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. Well, I, I do enjoy Marcus the conversation, Tim. Marcus <laughs> Simeon's legit. Tim, nice job. Uh, thanks too, to Shiny Beauty and everyone for stopping on. Again, tomorrow, George Springer, newest member of the Jays outside of Marcus Simeon, will join Tim and I live right off the top of the show at 5 p.m. Eastern. We will talk to him, go over some hockey from tonight, who knows what else? Baseball's coming down the pike. Some NBA. It's, it's, we're, we're in a moment here news-wise. It's fun. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. As we leave you, one last reminder to now always. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. I wash my hands of this discussion, McCallum. I'm done. Wash I got more, actually. At least, at least for today. Okay, fine. We'll do it.